Wine tourism is booming. People are back outside and traveling the world. And to this end, new and innovative experiences around the world of wine are increasingly relevant for travelers who desire to know, learn about, and enjoy other cultures, traditions, and history through their wine. Welcome back to the Swirl Suite, everybody. This week, our topic is still wine tourism, but I have Tanisha here with me, and she's going to recap the Global Wine Conference that she moderated in September in Italy. I have some questions for her because I watched her entire session, and it was really interesting how wine tourism can vary from place to place. So enjoy this conversation. Let us know if you have any thoughts or questions. I will be sure to put the link for her panel in the description box. Cheers, y'all. Well, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm Life all right. Good. Yeah, no complaints. I'm sorry no. I missed you last night. How did I go to sleep that fast? Sabrina, like we were literally just texting. <laughs> I left all the lights on. Like I was sitting up. <laughs> It, it, happens. it happens. I should have just like started folding laundry or something. Like I needed to do something active. <laughs> no, it was a good combo though. I told the girls about your panel and how I listened. So let's start out by telling us, Tanisha, what was the panel that you moderated? How did that come about and how did you prepare? So that came about, I received an email from um, one of the directors at to the World Tourism Organization, um, which is a part of the United Nations. And they asked me, was I available to moderate a panel? And I was like, uh, the UN, like the UN, UN? And after I made sure that this wasn't like a joke or like a spam, and they were going to ask me if I want my credit card information or something later. I was like, yes, I'll do this. This is exciting. Yes, I'm in. So that's how that came about. And they said it was on innovation and wine tourism. I was like, okay, that's broad. Let's, you know, let's see what this could be. And then as they started developing the program out more, and then they figured out the other people that would be on the panel, and they sent me a description of it and a few questions that they had or that they want to answer. And then I had a call with the director. Then I started to prepare. Since I work in wine tourism, I'm always reading about and, you know, reading research and white papers and, you know, watching videos and things like that on um, wine tourism and such. So I had ideas on what I thought about um, innovation. And I talked to a colleague who moderates panels often. And she was like, okay, you need to talk to the people beforehand to see what they're going to say. Um, you need to see who's going to be a talker, who's going to go overboard and always say too much, who's not going to say that much. If the panel starts to go awry, you need somebody that you know could just come in and be a savior. Um, you need to know who's a good closer so you can make sure you ask them the final question, who is a rambler. And so um, and they like send out an email in the beginning and uh, you can just ask one question and then ask, have that question for everybody. But I found out uh, later on in the process there were six people on the panel and I'm like okay that's going to take too much time if I ask all these questions of everyone so after having conversations with a few of them and going over their bio I was like okay I think these questions would be good for these people so I had already earmarked what questions I wanted to ask certain people so I would ask the question and then call people's name that was the way that was the only way I thought would be best to moderate six people because just letting six people talk and I just had an hour and actually under an hour. I'm like, mm, that's not going to work. 
Yeah, so six people try. is six people is quite a few. I mean, just dealing with the four of us on this podcast, I can't I can't imagine what six people would be like on a stage. And it's six people who all want to get their point across, all want to like, you know, talk about their product, their work, whatever the case may be. So, you know, they all have their agenda as well. It's not like, oh, let's just have this conversation. No, they are there for a reason. They have their agenda. So I'm like, I had to be mindful of that. And I also wanted everybody to be shown in the best light. And knowing that English wasn't most of their first languages, um, not being mindful of not asking like sudden spur of the moment questions like, oh, let's see what they say if I ask this question. It's a likelihood they don't understand what I'm saying. Um, and then they'll answer a different question. And I'm very conscious of that because I know if somebody asked me a spur of the moment question in French. I'm like, um, I don't quite know what you said. So I'm going to answer what I think you said. And it might not be what you said at all. So I have just said some random things. You could ask me, what time is it? And I'm like, no, you know what? I don't usually eat meat. But from time to time, I do like a little duck. What? What are you talking about? Because I didn't know what you said. So I just said something, you know? So um, that's why I wanted to make sure I gave him the question in advance. I prepared my talking points because um, I had to do an introduction of the topics at the scene in the beginning. And then I introduced them and then I started asking them questions. Yeah, you started out your introduction with wine tourism is back. Yes, um, girl. It is yeah. booming. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Leslie gave her take on um, wine tourism now in Maryland and the differences between maybe three years ago and now. So I'd like to ask you that same question. What is wine tourism like in Europe now that the pandemic is on the downhill? Well, one thing I notice is people want more flexibility. Um, and that was something that wasn't as big a deal before. People want to know like, okay, can I cancel this? Do I need to do a deposit? What's the refund like with the deposit? Um, some things are being booked a little more last minute than they were before. Um, so that's kind of something um, that I've noticed. A big thing is people want more experiences and they are leaning more into guides and assistance and tours and things like that. Yes, there's a lot, lot of information on the internet, but also, yes, there's a lot of information on the internet and uh, it can be overwhelming. So since people see me on social media or, or know people who know me or people read the article in um, Food and Wine, they're like, okay, this person, I can trust this person because I've seen some of their work, let me, you know, go with them. So I think people are looking more to have different experiences and they're looking more for guided, formal experiences instead of kind of just, oh, we can just wing it, like how I think people were doing it before. It's There was an interesting point. I forgot what panelists um, you asked this to, but I think you were talking about, I don't know if it was technology or what, or the differences between wine tourism now and someone said, um, a lot of my my customers, my clients, they just like self-guided tours. They don't want to schedule appointment. They don't want anything formal. They just want to be able to be there and do their own thing. I thought that was rather interesting. Mm-hmm. I think it, I mean, of course, it always depends on the type of tourist. Yeah. Um, but when someone is doing something self-guided, they still want to be guided to that place. You know what I mean? Like there's a champagne house that I visit um, and you do the tour of the champagne house yourself. They don't have a formal tour of it anymore. 
you know, they just have an app and they give you a, a map if you want to take that. And you go down to the sellers and you give the tour yourself, you tour yourself. So people are into that kind of thing um, because they want, again, flexibility with the timing. Um, and not having to be like, okay, I got to be here at two. I got to do this at four and, you know, watch the time and that kind of thing. That is something that people are into, but it's still organized. It's not as loose as I think people used to kind of travel. People used to just wake up like, all right, I'm going to go get a coffee and a croissant and let's just see what their day takes me. Yeah, they'll do a self-guided tour of something or a place, but it is still organized, if that makes sense. No, that makes perfect sense. And one thing that Leslie said, um, with the differences between wine tourism now and before is some of the wineries are charging a fee for outdoor activities. So even a simple tour oh. around the vineyard, um, a tour in the the winery, the barrel room, those are those are things that are an extra charge now. So then what's the regular charge for? Like, what oh, were they you doing? just I mean, was it you free just, before? Yeah. Yeah. When I worked oh, at, yeah. Okay. When I worked at a winery, yeah, they scheduled one of us to do tours. It sometimes it was one, sometimes it was two. And, um, your job was to give the tours and it was free. Yeah. Okay. You know, I can see charging for that now, especially right. if they're doing a tasting or something at the end. Yeah. Um, I think people prefer paying for it. I know it sounds weird, but huh. when you don't, when you, well, here's the thing, when you don't pay for it, then you feel like you need to give something. So a tip, buy a bottle. Uh, and I'm like, I don't always want a bottle. Cause I've been someplace. <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I don't want to taste any of this again. Like no offense. But like, if I had paid for the tour, then I wouldn't have felt that way because I've given them something, okay. but I do feel like they need to be compensated. Um, uh, some places, if you do buy, um, a bottle, like, you know, they'll take a percentage off, um, or something like that, or, you know, whatever you pay for the mm-hmm. tour that is deducted from your purchases. Yeah. But those things are happening. People are wanting tours more and more often. They're wanting wine experiences more often. So I don't think that those things can continue to be done for free. Hmm. Interesting. And I think Leslie also said, she said, um, Everybody doesn't want a tour. If I have a group of uh, bachelorettes for a bachelorette party or something, they're not interested in doing a tour. They want to taste the wine. They want to chill, talk, cackle, and then go about their business. So, you know, you she said that she designs her wine tours based on the client. Is that something that you do? Or do you like put your own spin on it and say, I think y'all would like this because of that? Uh, a little of both. Um, I'll put my own spin on it because, um, you know, I've had a, whether it's an email conversation or I've talked to the person on the phone or I know that person or know who referred them to me. Mm. And so I'll kind of know what they're into, but definitely agree with Leslie in that a lot of people don't want the traditional tour. And that was one of the things that came up on, I mean, not to be taking it back to my panel, but one (laughs) of the things we talked about um, as far as innovation is wine tourism or wine events outside of wine production. I think people Mm -hmm. get really caught up and wineries get really caught up in the production of it and not what else can be offered there. No, everyone doesn't want a tour. Everybody doesn't want to see the barrel room. Everybody doesn't care about the tanks. But Mm -hmm. what else can you do at this place? What is the culture? Is there particular food of this region? I mean, they may want to go out in the vineyard and see that, but what else can you do for them in the vineyard. Mm. Um, I went to this winery in St. Shinian um, this summer and they took us on an ATV 
through the vineyard and around oh, the property. Cool. I mean, and this girl, when I tell you she was handling this ATV, and I'm like, branches hitting us in the face, everything. <laughs> branches in my hair after I got out. And we did, you know, and then we went to the um, tasting room, did this tasting, and it was amazing. That place was fantastic. I would want to live there. Okay, not live there, but like definitely want to go back mm-hmm. and chill because the place was super dope. I think I showed you pictures of this place. The room was like the color of wine. It was yes. like all these Merlot. Yeah. That place. Yeah. They took us on an ATV um, and rolled us around. And the place, when I say vast and humongous. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But something like that, like, okay, they might not care yeah. about how the grapes are going, all that. But I mean, you ride me through with an ATV. There are other places that do... Um, horseback or have lunch in the vineyard so it's like what else can you do for someone that incorporates your wine your winery into their life Mm. and I think more wineries should be wine destinations period should be looking into that wine not necessarily being the focus but being like an accompaniment to it you have dinner wine is on the side you are at an art show oh we have a wine tasting in addition to the art show Oh, we have this five course dinner. Yes, we have wine paired with the dinner. People like um, all of these other things and you just add wine into it just like you would with your life in general. Yep. Um, I'm look, you hear my background, but I, um, I found this guy's TikTok, right? I was scrolling through mm-hmm. TikTok the other day. He lives in, in Europe somewhere, but he said that one of his favorite things to do in Chablis, there is this, I guess there's this mountain or something where there's a truck that's full of oysters on the half shell. You walk up to the truck, you get your tray of oysters, and then you walk to another truck and you get your bottle of Chablis. And that's what you do. You sit on this mountain and you eat oysters and you drink Chablis. I sent him a message. I said, what am I doing with my life? What? Where is this? And so I'm trying to find specifically more. where this find is. Specifically, girl, yeah. because yeah. I don't, I will go to Chablis. I'm sure. looking for a birthday yeah. trip. So I'm like, I'm yeah. going to go to Chablis. Yeah. And or- um, his his response was like, you can't, it's, it's, like my my video does not even grasp how beautiful this experience is. I was like, it's I can't. A, thing, I can't a lot of imagine. times it doesn't. Mm-mm. Yeah, and it's so crazy. You'll be there doing this, and you're like, no. People need to see this. People need to know what this is like. Yeah. People get so caught up in wine, you know, and alcohol, and you shouldn't drink, and you know, it has no health purposes. Blah blah. But I'm like, look at this. I don't. People aren't looking at wine in that way of this thing of. The, the backdrops, the way it created and made, and you're yeah. sitting out there with the oysters and this view. Like, yeah. that's what it's all about. Like, it's, nobody's up there to get drunk and throw up in the grass. Yeah. Yeah. We're um, there to see and enjoy. So, uh, so I have a question. If, mm-hmm. if I was a customer and I, oh, first of all, um, how can people find your wine tours? Can they sign up? No. Do they have to send you an email? Do you have a website? They can just book with you. How do they do that with you? Okay, say that again because you broke up a little Oh, bit. sorry. How do people book a wine tour with you? Do you have a site? Do they need to email you? How do they figure that out? Um, I have a website, girlmeetsglass.com. And some people will send me an email through there. Um, that's a lot of DMs on in my Instagram. Um, or people send me an email to Nisha at girlmeetsglass.com and tell me what they want. And then we go from there. 
Got you. Okay. So my next question is, um, there was a lot of talk about landscape on your panel. And there was a guy who mm-hmm. sort of said, you know, wineries have to find a way to market the landscaping um, if they have it, like, a you know, beautiful views and scenery and stuff. Um, give me a winery or like a situation you were in where it was all about the landscape. Uh, most places, it's all about the landscape. Um, but I have to say the most beautiful place that I've ever been was when I was in Porto, Portugal, in the Dural Valley. My gosh, like that is beautiful. Um, South Africa comes in uh, close to that too. Um, South Africa has some amazing landscapes. But in the Dural Valley, just because it is a valley, so you're seeing these different levels of vineyards, the way they look very terraced going down into the valley and then up the other side. I mean that and it's hard to capture that in a still that's why I think people need to do more video um so you can actually see it as a live living thing when you just see a photo it looks like something like okay in a magazine or in a book it doesn't necessarily look real to you video looks more real like I could actually go here do this be in this place Portugal is you know that's on my list it's it's on my list I have men okay Mm -hmm. let me see if I can turn does he talk or is this just music? It's going to start again. This has got to be one of my best food and wine experiences of the summer. In the tiny French seaside town of Cancel on the Brittany coast, there's a little collection of oyster shack. You grab a plate and then head for this cute little wine van to pick up a bottle of Chablis. And then you can sit and enjoy them on the pier, taking in the beautiful view. And when you're done, you simply chuck the oyster shells into the sea. It doesn't get better than this. That's this it. Is it, does that sound familiar? You know where that is? No, I mean, I know where Britannia is, but like, I don't know where that place he mentioned is. Yeah, um, I'm sending you to TikTok right now. Oh, girl, I figured you would because um, I need that <laughs> and I need to go there. Yeah, but I, I, I saw that and I was like, man, that's man, you what I would give for a tour like that included this. Yeah, and here's the thing like that. You know, for him, it was an experience for the people that live there. They're like, all right, we're just going out on like a Friday night, like just to eat. Like it is something that is so regular. And I think that might be why it's hard for them to um, promote it and push it. Yeah. Because it is just such a regular thing. They're just like, look, this is what we do. Like, what are you talking about? Like you going to the grocery store, like you're not videoing that. You're like, I'm going to the grocery store. It's fine. (laughs) Whereas me, if I go to the market, people are like, oh my gosh, you have a video. Oh, we'd love to see you going to the market. Yeah. Mm, because it's different to you. So people who live here and like me, I mean, I've only been here for so long, but now some things that people are excited about, I'm like, oh, you want to see that? Like there are things that I do all the time. Like they're regular mm-hmm. everyday things. Like me yeah. going to the market now, I'm like, my video on that, like I need my hands free. I got to pick up the grapes and I got to pick <laughs> up, you know, the stuff. I, I, my hands are free. So, you know, whatever. But I think that's why a lot of these places have a hard time knowing what to Mm. um, highlight, what to promote, because they just seem like such everyday things to them, which is good and bad. Well, I think that's why it's important for you to have if you don't know, then get help to know. Like there are people who specialize in marketing and especially like social media now they know what people watch that's their job to study that like um when we were talking to one winemaker and she said I don't know what to post and I was like can I tell you on TikTok I watched 10 videos of this guy bottling wine that that's Mm -hmm. all I watched he didn't talk 
There was music in the background. He put some descriptions up there, but they were very quick videos because that interests me. And uh, I, I couldn't stop watching the videos. People like that. Uh, people like seeing that day. Why do you think all of these videos are the day in the life of? And they sometimes they're not doing yeah, anything but make, making bread, the bed, making coffee. People will watch it. Ex yeah. And remember, we did those um the, the stories when we both went to Lidl. You went to Lidl mm -hmm. in Europe and I went to Lidl here. People mm -hmm. love that shit. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we got to do that again. Yeah, hmm. that was fun. Yeah. But also, when I think when it comes to wine, people don't look at outside things. Um, that's why I like to um, look at content in other industries, whether it's beauty, fashion, um, you know, whatever. But if you just look at wine stuff, you just keep doing the same thing. And I think some wine people have gotten caught up in just doing what other wine people are doing. And that's kind of all the same. Um so they need to kind of look outside to see what other people are doing yeah. to be able to promote that. I mean, and you know what? That was one of the main reasons why I joined. Um, I belong to two wine clubs. Um, both of them are in Virginia. But the first one I joined because they had an entirely different experience for wine club members. And I don't know. I felt like I was a part of something. And I think that's what people really love about you know, the experience with wine make me feel like I'm, I'm a part of your world. You're sharing this with me and I appreciate it. Yeah. yeah. No, true. And like how, when I was um, texting you from that uh, wine tasting, I was at the Bordeaux tasting and I'm like, they're pouring Bordeaux and Magnums and everybody's just talking. Yeah. Oh, and now they're having dinner. Oh, now someone's singing and we're having this, yeah. you know, communal meal where they're bringing these dishes out. I'm like, this is what wine is like here. And I wish right. I could capture this so people could see yeah. um, this experience, but it's not, it's such a, a familial friendly kind of thing. Sure. Like I don't want to have my phone out. Like, Oh, let me just walk in people's face and record this whole I thing. Know. It's something I that know. I just have to remember and, you know, get yeah. a couple of steel shots and talk about later. It's but a tough like, balance. No, this yeah. Was about, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, for wine tourism, wine experiences outside of production, um, outside of wine production and um, just thinking of how people live their life with wine. I'm talking in European countries because they live their life with wine. So just yeah. incorporating wine into other things that they do. Um, and you mentioned the, the guy on the panel, the Italian guy, the professor, um, he was talking, he talked about landscapes and cultural access and things like that. He's like using that as a backdrop to your tasting. Like how you just mentioned the guy, um, you know, there was a truck out there and you get oysters and then you get wine and, then you know, you do that. Taking it out of the tasting room, out of the tank room and into the vineyard. If you have this landscape, if you have this mountain, like, let's see it. Like, let's have lunch out here. Let's, mm -hmm. you know, put a table out there, do the tasting out there. Yep. People love that. Are you absolutely. kidding me? Yeah, absolutely. And then food. As that, that lady on your panel, she said food ha absolutely has to be involved. And mm -hmm. I, I totally agree. And I, how do you incorporate food on your tours? Um, depending on what well, I mean, food is incorporated in each one. And I'll order, um, if we are just at a regular wine bar, I'll order a meat and cheese mixed plate. Because, I mean, those things are amazing here. Or if we're at, um, it's a particular restaurant, there's two particular places that I really like, and then they have tapas. And so I'll get a few small dishes. 
um, to have with the wine there. And then I'll have them taste certain things with certain things so they can understand kind of how the pairings go together. Or sometimes I don't even do it as like a pairing thing. I'm just like, we're drinking and we're eating and we're talking about wine. These are very specialized, like for the people, but not necessarily like a class. I never want them to feel like, oh my gosh, do I need to take notes? Do I have to write this down? Like, what am I doing? Um, I don't want them to feel like that, but I want them to leave with a better understanding of French wine, a better appreciation of French wine and the culture of French wine and how people drink and eat and um, enjoy Aperol um, here. So um, I brought this up yesterday to the girls, but you probably been on the most press trips than any of us. Um, I noticed that the press trips in America, they do not feed you. They will starve you. They will starve you on these press trips and you will eat at the very end of the day and get, um, you know, you'll get your big dinner. But yeah, a lot of times they just don't provide enough food for me anyway. Um, You don't seem to have that problem um, in other countries. What is the biggest difference between press trips um, oh my gosh, here, and here <laughs> they they don't let you not eat. Grabby stuffed. I'm like, are we supposed to taste something else after this? <laughs> like here, food is like one of their love languages. Like that is how they express themselves. It. And I think because they have such specialties in these different countries, like there is such a food history and culture of Italian food, Spanish food, yeah. French food. They're like, we want you to see all of this. If they don't give you nothing else, you find out all the meat and cheese you can put inside your body. Yeah. Okay. They're going to feed you. It is going to be multiple courses because that's just how they eat. Right. Lunch, even just regular workers, their lunch is two and three hours. So that's the time they're going to take um, with this. And then they'll just sit bottles of wine on the table. It's not any kind of formal tasting um, during lunchtime. Like they may talk about everything in the beginning beginning like okay we're setting these bottles out this is this blah 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 and then like all right go crazy and you just get up and you just walk around and you just taste and sometimes it's plated and then they bring out each course and sometimes it's you know a buffet situation where you get up and kind of serve yourself Hmm. or family style but yeah and then they'll just have a bunch of wines on the table and you know you talk to people to ask them to pass you something or oh what do you have oh that looks good was that good and it'll be different wines on different tables to encourage you to take a mm. wine to someone else's table or you oh, ask someone nice. else at another table about their wine. And um, it's just a whole big old conversation. And now that I'm a little more conversational in French, I'm like, oh, this is fun. But before I'd be like, okay, I don't know what to say to y'all. <laughs> like, um, what wine is this? How do I? Um... And people would ask me questions and I'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm so awkward. Like the people you see on TV who are just like socially awkward and you ask them stuff and it's like, oh my gosh, they're so weird. Like you see those characters on TV. That is me. Well, that used to be me in French. I've mm. gotten better. <laughs> but I'd be like, don't ask me nothing. Don't talk to me. At the dinner part, I'm like, oh, this food is so good, but I have to leave. Yeah. You know what? And now that I think about it, like just think about those trade tastings in America. There is usually no food there. You might get some cheese and crackers. You might. Because I even remember... um, I'm probably going to bleep this out, but um, New York Champagne Week last year um, in November, you know, you're just drinking back to back champagnes. You're going from table to table. There was like oysters. Um, I don't remember any other food there. Because you just wanted the oysters. She's like, I got oysters. I mean, but no, I remember. First of all, I remember after I did my shift, 
I remember leaving there um, starving. I was tipsy and starving. I was like, oh my God. And where it was, nothing was close. So I was like, Mm. wow, I'm going to need some food. So yeah, that's interesting. Um, Okay. So um, we closed out with um, a question that I asked the girls yesterday. What kind of wine tourists are you? So I read a bunch of articles and they had like five different categories. So sort of like the the first one is like the Disneyland accommodations wine tourists where you want to do the museums, the activities, the hotels, like all of that has to be included in your experience. The second one, wine education, wine nerdy all time. Um, the third one, event based, big festivals. You like people around, you like that kind of energy. The fifth one, the gastronomer, it's all about food. Food has to be included. And then the last one, are you just casual? You can go with the flow. Which one are you? Mm, I'm a mix of the yeah. festival and education. Inter- the festival, okay. I love a festival because I just like the feel of a festival. Also, I think since I was at a festival when I got into wine, so my first experiences uh, with wine were festivals. Okay. And so I just like being able to pop to different booths, you know, talk to different people. And I think I enjoy festivals and things here because I'm talking to the winemaker. Like I'm talking to the family as opposed to just talking to the importer distributor. So I think that makes the festival or whatever event kind of different for me um, here. But then I also love an education piece. I love a sit down, six glasses in front of me, formal tasting. Um, where I can take some notes, you know, somebody has some PowerPoints up or they have a map up. Um, one of the tastings we did in Italy um, before the, it was a part of the conference, but they put us in different regions of Italy for a masterclass. And mine happened to be um, the North, the South. Girl, I'd have to look at my notes. It was a place. Okay. And we did it in the vault, like basement of this hotel. And they call it a vault girl vaulted ceilings and they have different jars of soil in there with the wine behind it that comes from the soil oh that sounds amazing i have to send you video i you know it just a bunch of stuff just sitting in my phone chilling um but we did the master class down there in this there were only five people in this particular master class and so you know the sommelier was doing the class and we were tasting the wines we had five or six wines that we tasted in front of us and I'm like, I like that. And then after that, we went to, um, you know, like a little outdoor tasting, you know, or if there's a festival the next day, like I like a mix of both. I want to sit down and have a formal deep dive into specific regions or grapes. But then I also like a let me be able to taste a bunch of different things. Gotcha. Um, my answer um, for this question was, I'm a Libra. I like all of this, but there better be food. Like you're not yeah, going to take me. I knew food was going to be involved. You, yeah. <laughs> you, you're not going to take me on a three-hour wine tour around these vines, and I'm starving. That's not happening. No, 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 no. And I think that's something that I don't even think about anymore since they don't do that here. Okay. Like all the tastings I've been to, they're like, okay, go around and taste. But at lunchtime, they are so specific about their um, mm-hmm. meals and their eating. Yeah, that they're like, no, we are, you know, we stopped 12 at some point between 12 and two. Like we're we not working no more because we have to eat. Yeah. So. 
and they don't they're not about to do sandwiches in the car like what no huh. <laughs> they're like no we're gonna sit down and we're gonna give you some food whether it's like a big meal or something light you know they put a few salads together give you some pasta or whatever some meats and cheeses and some random breadsticks but something you're about to yeah they're not just gonna have you out there bogus like even in uh, some of the trade tastings it'll still be like a room with tables that have cheese and nuts and all of that kind of mm. stuff off to the side mm. because they don't look at they just look at drinking a different way you know you and i yeah. have talked about this a lot right. they look at drinking in such a different way now trade tastings are different because they're like okay this is there's a purpose here right. like you are tasting these for your business and you want to have them in your restaurant or your wine shop or, you know, mm -hmm. whatever. But they're like, no, we know that people will probably be here around a lunch time. So we need to have some kind of food for them. And so they'll always have something, even at bars that don't serve food. If you are um, drinking, all right, it's, it's about to be um, a plate of popcorn or a handful yeah. of nuts that comes out. Like, mm-hmm. They yeah. not finna just how you are here, like, all right, high five. <laughs> Enjoy. Well, that was great. Your panel was was fantastic. You get you did a great Thank job you. at that. Were Thank you nervous you. at all? Extremely. Yeah. Extremely. Cause I'm like, I don't want to forget anything. I don't want to drop my cards. Yeah. Um, I want to make sure I'm looking at the camera and smiling. Um I hope people are listening. I don't want any one person to talk too much. Mm -hmm. um, I want to give everybody a chance to say something, um, you know, just managing it all. I was like, my heart's in my chest. I'm too scared to sit back. Um, I don't want to <laughs> belch into the microphone. Girl, you know, all these fears that I have. I have yeah. a huge fear of being mic'd up and belching. <laughs> so I, I didn't have any coffee. I ain't had no water. I'm like, we're not going to belch nothing up because it's nothing in here. Oh my gosh, that's so, so funny. I'm like, I'm terrified, of, especially since I was mic'd up. Not like I'm holding yeah. the mic and putting it to my mouth. I'm like, that thing is attached to my face. Oh my goodness. No, and then it was funny at the end when he was trying to take it off because, you know, I have big curly hair right now. <laughs> that, that thing was completely stuck in my hair. He's like, um, I was like, man, just get some scissors, cut this out. He's like, no, no. And I'm like, oh, this, this not mine. You can cut it out. <laughs> I mean, I ain't say that. I'm like, he not finna get it. But I'm like, oh my, my head, like, you can cut this. But no, he eventually <laughs> got it. Um, got it out. But yeah, that is a fear of mine. Um, but being on a stage this big and knowing that, because this was the first session they did. Oh, for, okay. For the whole thing. Um, this is the first like panel discussion they did. So I'm like, oh my God, I'm first. And they like, yeah, session one. I'm like, wait, are you sure? Mm. Like, I want to see somebody else. And I'm like, it's best I don't see anybody else and I just do it my way. So that, that kind of worked yeah. out. Um, but yeah, getting up there doing it, knowing that this is on the internet for all to see like forever. Yeah. I'm like, I don't want to look crazy. And oh, also you just, thank you. And I, I just want to, I mean, I'm a black woman from America working in France. I want people that see me. I want young black people, other black people, other people of color every time they see me see what I'm doing I want them to be like man yes we could do this too or okay somebody in mind like I want them to see that I'm not just doing it for me I'm not trying to sound all woo woo like I'm doing this for the race no but like I wanted to be known that black people are everywhere and we're amazing at the stuff we're doing so absolutely absolutely
Um, a few notes to close out on. Um, advent calendars they have hit most of the shelves here in the u.s dang um, already it's september yeah, it's it's well it's about to be october so um if you're interested in doing advent calendars i've seen them in costco already and then i believe they should be in aldi next i know those are going to go really fast and then i've gotten emails about the other companies who make advent calendars so if you're preparing for christmas do it now. I'm gonna do one. Yeah, but you gonna do, do one, one this year? You gonna do the? Yeah. Where, it was the little one. The, I did, the it was wine. One. Yeah, it was wine. Um, yeah. and I'm trying to decide if I'm gonna do a wine one. I might do a whiskey one. Oh, or or a gin one. Oh, that sounds. But then really I'm cool. like, ooh, I'm like a gin a day. Ooh. Ooh. I mean, even a whiskey a day. <laughs> right. I like so every other day. You know. <laughs> um. Another note. Kenya's all-female black wine tasting team aims to make history. So they are traveling to France to compete in one of the biggest wine tasting competitions. And I believe it's five or six black women from Kenya. And we need to cheer them on. We wish them well. Absolutely. Them and then also Tanache and his group of guys that are coming yes. from um, South Africa. I think they're in the same one. Awesome. I think they're in the same competition. So I actually want to look into that and be like, um, can I go? Like, right. Yeah. So I'm going to look into that and see um, what that's about. Is that's like a closed thing? And if it is, I'm going to pass it try to. (laughs) And last thing um, the world's second largest wine museum is set for a 2024 opening in Beijing. All right, everybody, that is our episode this week. Uh, We actually lost signals, so our (laughs) episode ended a little abruptly, but you got the bulk of it. I appreciate Tanisha for taking time out. Um, She lives on a totally different continent than we do, and so I appreciate all her efforts for the podcast. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button, leave us five stars, and leave us a comment. We love ratings. Also, be sure to follow all of us on social media, myself at Vine Me Up, Glennis at Vino Noir, Girl Meets Glass is Tanisha, Vino 301 is Leslie, and you can follow the Swirl Suite podcast account at Swirl Suite. The Swirl Suite is now a part of the Alive Podcast Network. This episode has been edited and produced by Vine Me Up Media.